In 2015, the FDA changed how they classify breastfeeding risks, but they gave pharmaceutical companies a few years to update their meds. Today, we look at how psychiatric medications fare in the new system. Welcome to the Carlite Psychiatry Podcast, keeping psychiatry honest since 2003. I'm Chris Aiken, Editor-in-Chief and the co-author of the new book, Prescribing Psychotropics. And I'm Kelly Newsom, a psychiatric NP and a dedicated reader of every issue. Last week, we named the riskiest psych meds in pregnancy. Paroxetine, Paxil, Valproate, Depakote, Lithium, Carbamazepine, Tricyclic Antidepressants, particularly Clomipramine, Benzodiazepines and stimulants like Ritalin and Adderall. And reminded you that just because they are risky doesn't mean you shouldn't use them. Untreated psychiatric illness poses threats as well. But just because a medication is high risk in pregnancy doesn't mean it's high risk for breastfeeding. Carbamazepine and Valproate look much safer for the breastfeeding infant than they do in the womb. When it comes to pregnancy, we worry about teratogenicity as the organs develop. But when it comes to breastfeeding, the risks are very different. There, we worry about how much the medication passes into the breast milk and what the risks of toxicity are. Those toxicity risks are similar for adults as they are for infants, so mainly we're worried about sedation and depressing respirations. The safer drugs in breastfeeding are sertraline, bupropion, the atypical antipsychotics, buspirone, and surprisingly, the Z-hypnotics, particularly Zaleplon, Sonata, which has a favorable L2 rating probably because of its short half-life. Kelly just dropped some terminology there that begs for explanation. On June 30th, 2015, the FDA dropped their long-standing classification system for psychiatric meds and pregnancy and lactation. That is, they dropped the A, B, C, D, and the dreaded X grading system, and they switched to a lactation risk category to separate the risks out for breastfeeding from pregnancy. And here they are rated L1, the safest, all the way down to L5, the riskiest. But wait a minute. They went from a five-tiered system to another five-tiered system, changing from letters to numbers. What is really gained here? Well, whether you use A, B, C, D, or 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 is arbitrary. But what is new here is how the medications are put into those classifications. The new system considers more detailed information when assigning the risk level, and it gives descriptions of each of these categories that are more meaningful for clinical practice. Lactation risk 1, or L1, means the med is generally compatible with lactation. Here, we have good studies and no harm was found. L2 is probably compatible. Here, the studies are poor in quality, but they either show no risk or a very remote possibility of risk. Zaleplon, Sonata, Trazodone, Paroxetine, Paxil are all L2. Olanzapine and Halipiridol got an L2, but most other antipsychotics fall in L3 or below. L3 is probably compatible with breastfeeding, but largely unknown. This is where the FDA places new medications that we know nothing about. In the past, they automatically received a deceptively safe rating of Category B until we learn the real truth about their risks. 
leading to a joke that the FDA classification system really just told you how long the drug had been on the market. This is one of the more meaningful changes of this new system. I mean, I'm a humanist, and I believe that people are innocent until proven guilty. But medications? These are guilty until proven innocent, and that's what the new system reflects. This L3 category also includes medications where a risk is known, but it's not a serious risk. It's minimal or non-threatening. Several sleep medications are L2, the better risk, but a few of them fall into this riskier L3 category, worth knowing, such as Zolpidum, Ambien, and all of the benzos, and the newer untested sleep meds. There are several antidepressants that are in the better L2 category, but a few fell down to L3. And that's news because most of these had the same rating in the FDA's old system. Antidepressants with this L3 rating of some possible not very serious risk are bupropion, citalopram, escitalopram, Lexapro, fluoxetine, Prozac, mirtazapine, venlafaxine, and vortioxetine, Trintelix. Lamotrigine, Lamictal, is also L3, and that labeling is somewhat controversial and needs some explanation, as there are lots of studies supporting Lamotrigine's safety in pregnancy and breastfeeding. But there is a possibility of an allergic rash in the infant. In theory, Lamotrigine is probably safe if the baby was exposed to it in the womb. But if a new titration is started while breastfeeding, there's going to be a risk of rash for the infant as well as the mother. To pause and summarize, L1 through 3 are categories where it might be safe to continue the medication during breastfeeding. As we move toward L4 and 5, the hazards pile up and we start to worry more. L4 is possibly hazardous. Here, there is a clear risk to the breastfeeding infant or possibly a risk to breast milk production, but the risk is either low or it's not serious enough that the FDA believes the use of the medication is justified as long as it's being used to treat a serious illness. So, no lifestyle meds here. Lithium, nefazodone, and quetiapine enzaprazidone, as well as several older antipsychotics, are all L4. So, with the newer atypical antipsychotics, it's only quetiapine and zaprazidone that fall into L4, probably because of their sedating qualities. L5 is the serious hazardous level. Here, the risk of significant damage to the infant is real and the drug is considered contraindicated during breastfeeding. We know of two psych meds in the L5 category. If you know of others, please write us, asked the editor at thecarlatreport.com. The two we found were doxepin, a tricyclic antidepressant that is sometimes used for sleep, and the anti-alcohol med disulfiram antabuse. But 
Bromocryptine also falls there, and some people use this dopamine agonist to treat prolactinemia on antipsychotics. Other relevant foods and meds that fall into the L5 category are kava-kava, which people take over-the-counter for anxiety, kumbacha tea, and DHEA, a hormonal compound that some women take through complementary and alternative medicine physicians. Those are all L5, as are most drugs of abuse, including methamphetamine, cocaine, cannabis, LSD, heroin, and dextroamphetamine. That's right, that's Vyvanse and Dexedrine, but it's only considered L5 when used in the high doses that this stimulant is abused in. In a few cases, the FDA adjusts their rating based on how old the breastfeeding baby is, most notably with fluoxetine Prozac. Fluoxetine Prozac, you'll recall from our last episode, is the safest medication in pregnancy, but its poorer rating in breastfeeding leaves its second choice to sertraline for a pregnant woman who plans to breastfeed. Anyway, fluoxetine is considered relatively safe in an infant that's older than one month. It gets an L2, but it's riskier in neonates, those less than one month old, where it gets an L3. And that's pretty much going to be a non-starter for fluoxetine because women need to start breastfeeding right away for lactation to work at all. As part of this 2015 change, which actually rolled out over the next three or four years, the FDA also discarded the A through X grading system that they used for most medications in pregnancy, replacing it instead with simply more detailed descriptions of what the actual risks are. However, most of the sheets in the PDR have not caught up to that and still use the old grades. There is one final part of this FDA ruling that's probably going to change things down the road, and that is that they added a new section to prescribing information that details risks to future reproductive potential. We expect more data to come here, but we already see that paroxetine Paxil might decrease sperm quality. Fluvoxamine, Luvox, has been associated with blood in the semen and several psych meds, most notably the anticonvulsants, are associated with rare cases of inflammation of that tube that the sperm pass through, the epididymis causing epididymitis. And there's also a few others like venlafaxine and quetiapine are associated with rare inflammation of the testicles or chitis. Good to know this stuff as your patient might easily look it up at the pharmacy and ask you about it. All of these risks are very rare. Back to breastfeeding. Here are some of the things we worry about with the riskier drugs in breastfeeding. Benzodiazepines. Sedation and, with anything that causes sedation, respiratory suppression. The tricyclics. Constipation and, with doxepin, sedation. Nefazodone and trazodone. Sedation. 
sedating antipsychotics, particularly quetiapine, Seroquel, and Zeprazidone, Geodon. They have an L4 rating, most likely due to sedation. Lithium. We worry about lithium toxicity. Valproate and carbamazepine. Potential liver toxicity or blood dyscrasias. And a controversial one is lamotrigine. Dr. Clayton was concerned about the risk of a rash in the infant. But many women with epilepsy have breastfed on lamotrigine, and we found no cases of serious rash in the literature. We asked Dr. Clayton about this, and she conjectured that lamotrigine is probably safe as long as the infant was exposed to it in the womb, because they are not likely to develop an allergic reaction if they are already accustomed to it, but that it could be risky to start lamotrigine in a breastfeeding mother. Lamotrigine levels do pass into the breast milk, and in the baby, lamotrigine reaches levels that are about 30% that of the mother. Just as we educate pregnant women about the risks on the other side, the risks of untreated psych illness, we also have to educate women about the risks of avoiding breastfeeding just to avoid exposure to a medication. That carries real risks of its own. Baby formula has not replaced the significant health benefits of breastfeeding. Those include greater immunity, protection against asthma, obesity, diabetes, and protection against the big one, sudden infant death syndrome, or SIDS. Breastfed babies have higher IQs. And that reminds me of one of my favorite studies, the Neurodevelopmental Effects of Antileptic Drugs Study. This international study followed 177 women with epilepsy for six years after giving birth. The study was not randomized, but about half of the women chose to breastfeed while taking an anticonvulsant, and the other half chose to bottle feed. So it gave a pretty good comparison, especially after they controlled for all the demographic variables that they measured. The women were taking a variety of anti-epileptics, carbamazepine, lamotrigine, phenytoin, and valproate. Now, when I read this study, that last one scared me, valproate, Depakote, because this one is probably the riskiest psych med to take during pregnancy. So how safe can it be to expose a neonate to it? Not only does it cause neurotube defects, which are not really an issue if the spinal cord is already closed, but children exposed to valproate in the womb have about 10 points lower IQ as they develop. So uh, before I read this study, I would not have felt comfortable about giving a breastfeeding woman valproate. And this study did confirm that fetal exposure to valproate lowered IQ. But when it came to breastfeeding, the results were flipped. That surprised me. When the child turned age six, the children who were breastfed on valproate had higher IQs than those whose mothers chose to bottle feed to avoid any risks with valproate exposure. The finding of greater developmental milestones and IQ levels when breastfeeding on anti-epileptic meds was true for all of the meds in this study, and it was most significant for valproate. Bottom line, the benefits of breastfeeding and breast milk are so great that they might actually counteract any risks with the medication. Managing meds in the peripartum is not about knowing which meds to use and which ones to avoid. 
There are risks on all sides in this business, and the hard part is in helping your patients understand that reality. Patients are often focused on the medications, as though each one is a jagged pill taking aim at their developing child. Not so. Babies are exposed to far more chemicals than what's in their pillbox. Air pollution, caffeine, alcohol. The average package of processed foods has more chemicals on that than your patient's medalist. And most of them, untested. The bottom line is that a healthy mother leads to a healthy baby. And mental health is part of that. Focus your patient on what they can do to improve their health during pregnancy. Are they taking a prenatal vitamin? Avoiding alcohol? Limiting caffeine? Are they keeping away from the kitty litter with its well-known risk of toxoplasmosis? Reducing stress and getting good sleep, exercise, and a healthy diet? Any one of those is going to make a bigger difference for the baby's health than stopping or starting the average psych med. With the possible exception of the big seven, the meds with known risks in pregnancy. Let's call them out one more time. Paroxetine Paxil, Valproate Depakote, Lithium, Carbamazepine, Tricyclic Antidepressants, particularly Clomipramine, Benzodiazepines and stimulants like Ritalin and Adderall. If you missed the Mood Disorder Summit, catch it next September where they return to a real in-person conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. The conference will also be simulcast for a virtual audience and admission is free for all attendees. Earn your CME for this podcast through the link in the show notes. And we hope you will join us in a few weeks when we'll pick up on the 10 Psycho Farm Commandments with number six, honor thy M-A-O-I interactions. In the meantime, follow Dr. Aiken on Twitter or LinkedIn. His handle is at ChrisAikenMD, where he has posted a new finding every day for the past six months. Today's study compares the cognitive effects of two popular treatments for bipolar depression, lorazidone, and quetiapine.